Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Southridge. Happy New Year. You guys may be seated. My name is Jane and I'm thrilled to see you this morning and I can't wait to meet you and help you be a, feel a part of our church family. I'm thrilled to see you and want to be the first to welcome you. On your seat or near you is a connection card. Would you please grab that and wave it at me? Um, I'm going to ask everyone to take a look at that card and fill it out. Maybe you have a prayer request or you'd like to sign up for Grow Tracks or join a ministry training or start being a difference maker, or if this is your first time or second time attending Southridge. Whatever reason you may have, go ahead and fill it out. And at the end of the service, you can either drop it off at the connection tent or a connection table on the side, and you will receive a first-time guest. Today, we begin a new series called Solid Ground, and we know this series will change and challenge your perspective to build your life on solid ground in 2022. Please turn your attention to the screen for a brief introduction. Good morning and welcome to Southridge. How's everybody doing this first Sunday of the new year? I am pumped to see you guys. Man, this is awesome to be together in church on the first Sunday of the year. Give yourself a pat on the back. You have a 100% church attendance in 2022. This is so good, so good, so awesome to see you guys. Let's keep the streak going each and every Sunday. Don't break the streak. I use the Bible app sometimes on my phone and I get disappointed because the Bible app has a streak and then if you don't use it that day, I'm like, oh, my streak is broken. You go know, seven, eight, ten, you know, and eventually the streak gets so long that you're like, I can't, I, I got to open up the app. And I'm guilty of opening the app just because it counts towards the streak. And uh, yes, I know. I'm just being honest, all right? Okay, don't tell me you never did that too. You care more about the streak than getting, anyway. So I'm glad that you're here. We're in a new series entitled Solid Ground because in this new year, we want to build our lives on something solid, something that's going to last. We don't want to build on something that's just going to be washed away, something that's not going to last, something that's not going to make a difference. And so this new year, we are all about starting this new beginning 
on building on something solid. And I love this time of year. I love Christmas. I love celebrating the birth of the Savior. I love getting around friends and family, enjoying some good food. But I love New Year's. There's something about new beginnings. There's something about starting a diet and three days later ending it. It just feels good. It's like mission accomplished, you know? It's like buying the gym membership, you know, and then just never going. And just, you know, it's good to support local businesses like that. All right? It's just good. You're doing your part. Whether you go or not, that's fine, you know? But you're like, I'm all about that local business, you know? And uh, whatever you did, or maybe you went on Craigslist and you bought some exercise fitness equipment. I've had some fitness equipment in my garage I have not been able to sell all year. All 2021, I was trying to sell this equipment. And then... I put it up 24 hours later, that Bowflex was gone. I was like, oh man, it really works. This is time. I was like, buying a Bowflex, this is cool. Very 90s of you, you know, but there you go. Excellent, super cool. But I love new beginnings, and God loves new beginnings. As a matter of fact, he begins his book, the Bible, with in the beginning. He's all about beginnings. And so if this is your first time here at Southridge, I want to encourage you. Or if this is your first time in a long time, I want to encourage you. This is a great time for a new beginning. What God wants to do in your heart, what God wants to do in your life, and what God wants to do in your family is powerful. And so we're going to study together God's word and what he says on solid foundations. We understand the importance of a foundation, don't we? We understand that it's important to build on something firm. We grew up, and if you grew up in the church, you probably remember singing songs about how firm a foundation we have. Or maybe Rock of Ages, Clep for Me. There's all these hymns that have to do with this foundation that we're going to build our lives on. Because we've seen the opposite. Many people will remember Thursday, June 24th at 1.25 a.m. In Florida, there was a condo that collapsed. 98 people died. They were crushed in that collapse. People were wondering, how did this happen? Well, we know now what we didn't know at the time was that the foundations were corroded. The foundations were so corroded that even the engineer who inspected it in April said, you have major problems. And nobody did anything about it. And it's amazing that corrosion was a silent killer. It killed quietly. Day in and day out, people did not know their lives were in danger for something that was quietly killing them. They had no idea. Because the thing about foundations are they're not obvious. And often the things that aren't obvious get overlooked. You see, I won't know if you didn't read your Bible. I won't know. I won't know if you walk with God, you pray, or what your goals are this year and how you want to pursue God. It's not obvious, so what often happens, it gets overlooked. But it's the most important thing in your life. Church attendance is great. This is, this is awesome that you're in church attendance, but it's so important for you and I to have a real walk with God this year. Where we say, you know, I'm going to pursue God for me and my family, my spouse. Because it's too easy to go this year and just kind of say, well, nobody else can see how my foundation is doing. Nobody else knows. So it can get overlooked. But the only thing that does happen is that we do notice people's spectacular fall. We did notice when the building collapsed. All the world noticed the building collapsed. We see when these high-profile CEOs, when they collapse, when you see uh, movie stars and celebrities, when their lives collapse. And it didn't happen overnight. It happened because there was a corrosive thing that they allowed at the foundation. And that's what Satan wants for you this year. He wants those little things 
to get into your life that nobody else sees, and it just slowly over time erodes the family, erodes the marriage, erodes the relationship with God. That's what he wants. He wants to slowly over time erode the relationship that you have with church. He wants to erode it so you and I are saying, no, we're going to build this year on something firm, something that stands. Proverbs 10.25 says, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. You see, the foundation is so important, but we are only as strong as what we build our lives on. You and I are only as strong as the foundation that we build our lives on. So, to borrow a phrase, we need to build back, not better, but biblically. Oh, I knew my wife would love it. I, I, I work so hard. She just, she, she, she loves this thing. I'm telling you what, it's awesome. We need to build back. But what are we going to build on? That's the question. This year, what are we going to build on? Are we going to build on, oh man, I really have this goal, have this dream. Or are we going to say, God, what do you want me to build on? We want to build on what God tells us to build on. Because this is a church that we are really all about the Bible. We want to know that everything what we are doing comes from God's word that is driven by his word. Because this is the only thing that can really change my life or your life. I may have an idea or two. I may share a thought or two. But unless we're hearing from God and his word, it's not going to change your life. This is the living, breathing word of God. That's what the word inspired means. It means it's alive. That there's no other book you can read that's alive. You may have watched the 20-year anniversary of the Harry Potter series on, on TV, but those books, they may have been entertaining, but they don't change your life. They're not inspired. God's word is inspired. So this morning, let's turn our attention to Psalms chapter number 11. Psalms chapter number 11. We're going to read the entire chapter. And don't get nervous. It's only seven verses. It's not a long chapter. But we're going to begin reading. And this is an interesting chapter. And I'm just going to read through it. And then we're just going to pull it apart. Let's begin, if we can, in verse number one. The Bible says, in the Lord I put my trust. Oh, that's so good. We just sang about that. In the Lord, I put my trust. That's great. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? Verse 2. For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready the arrow on the string that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. Verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? What a question. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about solid ground. We're talking about a foundation. That's exactly what we're talking about. Verse number four. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous. But the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked, he will rain coals. Fire and brimstone and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. Verse number three. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I've actually heard this passage taught on a lot recently. Ever since the pandemic started, I think a lot of people started coming back to this psalm, particularly verse number three. And all of a sudden, it was just like, oh, man, we've got, and, and you can hear the, the sermons, all right? I love alliteration, and I kind of default to that. And you could just kind of hear the sermons. It's like, the foundation of the family is being eroded right now. The foundation of our faith is being eroded right now. The foundations of our future are being eroded. You just, you just hear these messages. And they're, they're, it's, they're not wrong, 
They're not wrong. It's just not accurate. You say, what do you mean? I mean, I agree that we see a lot of corrosion in our culture. That, that for sure is true. It is, it is true the things that we see now are just so an affront to what God wants for his people. You could just see things, and I don't need to go down the list of all the things that we just kind of see in culture, and we just kind of think, man, this shouldn't be like this. What, what are people thinking nowadays? What are people allowing? But yet, so many times we see people that are preaching these sermons or are teaching on this, and it's almost like they kind of uh, incite a little bit of fear, a little anxiety, like, man, everything's crumbling around us. We've got to hold on to what we've got. We've got to, we've got to fight for the foundation. And I, I agree with that, that yeah, there should be some foundational things that we fight for. Those are good thoughts. But this passage is punctuated by a question. But it's the wrong question. This passage is punctuated by a question, but it is the wrong question. You say, what do you mean? This is the Bible. What are you saying? You're saying the Bible's wrong? No, no, no. I'm saying the question is wrong. I know I'm making some of you nervous, but let's go through it. And I want you to see it. This is a Psalm of David, but understand David is not asking the question. Verse number one, look at it again. This is going to be a good little Bible study. First Sunday of the year. Here we go. I went to Sunday school. Who remembers Sunday school? Raise your hand. Remember Sunday school? I had a Sunday school teacher. You'd say, all right, class, put your thinking caps on. I was like, what? What's a thinking cap? But I'm going to ask our church, put on a thinking cap. Notice verse number one. Here's what it says. In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul? So somebody's talking to David. David's not talking. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird? So David is like, wait a minute, who? somebody's telling David and giving David advice. We've all had people give us advice. We've all had people give us bad advice. Ever taken some bad advice? And then you get around that person like, hey man, you're an idiot. You gave me the worst advice ever. Yeah, she dumped me hard. I never should have said that, you know, or I never should have done that, or I never should have bought them that. So the question is the wrong question. The, the people are saying, hey, why don't you just run and flee? That's a good idea, David, because David is running for his life from Saul at this point in history. And they're saying, David, why aren't you running? That's the wrong question. And then it goes on in verse number two. It says, hey, David, they're looking to get you. They're hiding secretly. They want to destroy you, David. And then they go on and they say, David, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? You see, it's a question. But it is the wrong question. You say, what do you mean? Because questions have the power to create action. Questions have the power to create action. And what is the action that they want David? They want three things from him. Here's where my alliteration is coming into the sermon. They First of all, verse number one, they want David to flee. They want him to run. David's like, why would I flee? You know, we look around at what's going on in culture, and sometimes we do just want to run. We do want to run from this area. We want to run from this place. He said, I can't take it anymore. I'm just going to run. I'm going to run from this marriage. I'm going to run from this responsibility. I'm going to run from this boss. I'm going to run. Instead of saying, wait a minute, God led me here. Maybe there's something God wants me to get out of here. Imagine if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, hey, I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to bow down. I don't want to burn. Let's run, guys. Let's flee then we never would have had the miracle of them standing in the fiery furnace if they would have ran. 
How many times does God want to do an amazing miracle, but you keep running so that you never can see what God actually wants to do? You run from relationship to relationship. You run from job to job. You run from church to church. You're just running, fleeing. And that's what David's friend said to do. Oh, it's too hard? Just run. Just flee. It's the wrong question, which is leading and creating the wrong reaction. The Bible says the righteous don't flee. We're supposed to be firm. We're supposed to stand. But the Christians are running right now. That's exactly what I do see. Christians are got their tails tucked between their legs and they're gone. Oh my goodness. It's like standing for God. Nope, not going to do that. I'm out of here. I'm moving to Florida. It's like, what? Nothing wrong with the Sunshine State. They got Walt Disney World over there. That's pretty cool. But I'm seeing Christians just running. And I'm not picking on people for moving. I'm saying Christians that are abandoning their sphere of influence. It's like, oh man, the, 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 the. and I get our culture that we live in here. And instead of being firm in what we believe and saying, no, no, I, I, I stand up for what God has called me and what's true, we just run. So, so the first thing, the question was leading David to the wrong action. So the first question was, hey, David, why don't you just run? Second question is, hey, David, they're trying to kill you. Why don't you fight them? How many times did Saul try to kill David? And David never tried to fight him back. So there's this one reaction. It's like, hey, we can flee or we can fight. But you know what? Fighting isn't solving it. You know, fighting somebody who thinks differently and acts differently isn't going to solve the problem. They're not the enemy. They're an opportunity. They need Jesus. But yet we have this idea that we've got to fight certain people, but that's not it. You see, the questions were leading him to the wrong action. And it's easy to just say, I don't want to do it. You see, we don't have to live in accordance with our culture. We can live differently. We don't have to flee from it. We don't have to fight it. And then verse number three, what can the righteous do if the foundations be destroyed? What that question is inciting is inciting fear. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. Yeah, you live in the Bay Area, a place that to be a Christian, to stand for God, to even come to the church right now, there's a lot of pressure that says you should not do that. That's where we live. There's a lot of pressure for you to just say, hey, that Judeo-Christian stuff, no. Don't, don't believe that. Don't follow that. And don't go to a church that actually would teach and preach the Bible. Don't, don't do that. If you're going to go to a church, find a church that at least they kind of say, you know what, the Old Testament, eh, we kind of take that or leave that. There's some stuff in the New Testament that's all right, but come on, just stick with your thoughts. Don't really preach all the Bible. So they want to create this culture of fear. So God doesn't want it to be that way. But there are questions that are leading to these type of reactions. And I'm seeing God's people that are fleeing, fighting, or they're fearful. Instead of trusting what God has. Instead of saying, Lord, what do you want for me? I recently heard a powerful story that it can be different. When God's people decide it's going to be different. When you say, you know what? I can't change culture out there, but I can change it in here. Heard about a father, he had his whole family fasting every day through the month of December. Every day, everybody in the family fasted throughout the month of December. Sounds to me like the foundation in that family is just fine. You see, what's happening is we are looking out and, oh man, what's happening to the White House? What's happening to politics? What's happening there? And then we're avoiding 
our own foundations. God wants us to look at our foundations. And yet too often, it's real easy to just kind of say, well, everything's wrong there. We just fix it out there. Then it'll eventually get fixed in here. No, no. If we fix it in here, it'll get fixed out there. You see, we have got this thing inverted. We need to say, God, as for me and my house, let me get my stuff together. Let me follow you. Let me do right. And then I'll encourage everybody around me to. You want things to change. You want things to end. You don't have to get mad. You don't have to flee and say, well, where's somebody, where's somewhere else that's a little bit easier to go try to live like a Christian? It's never going to get easier to live for God. Just understand that. And it never should be. I can't wait to go to the gym that they say, hey, look, it's real easy to get a six pack here. Sign me up for that gym. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, I would love it if they would just say, hey, the moment you get married, guess what? This whole marriage thing, it's so easy. It's so easy. I would love it if they just said, hey, man, the kid thing, raising kids, having kids, it's so easy. Nothing in life is easy. And it's not supposed to be. We kind of expect life to get easier, but God is like, wait a minute, then you would never be growing. People that want life easy, they never mature. They never grow in responsibility. And so God is calling us to grow in responsibility. But the question was creating a reaction that wasn't the right reaction. But I love this. In verse number three, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? David is not asking that question. That's not David talking. And many times we hear this passage and we think it's David asking that question, but it's not David asking the question. It's some friend asking the question to David. You see, questions inform, but the right question can transform. And David is about to flip this question on its head. And that's the power in this passage. It's when you and I look at it and we say, wait a minute, questions are powerful. I mean, think about the questions that you've been asked in your life. They're powerful. Ever since we were little, somebody probably asked you the question, what do you want to do when you grow up? That's a powerful question. There are other powerful questions. Not only do you want to do, and what do you want to do when you grow up, but hey, do you want the job? Want to go to church? Some of you, that's your story. Your life has changed because somebody just said, want to go to church? And it changed everything for you. Your life was forever changed when somebody asked you the question, do you want to marry me? That's a life-changing question. You see, questions can inform, but the right question can transform, can transform everything. The question, do you want to accept Jesus Christ, your personal Savior? That is a life-transforming question. So there are questions that can transform, but the devil also knows how to use questions. Go to Genesis, if you would. In Genesis, the devil appears to Eve in chapter 3, and what he says, hey, did God really say he doesn't want you to eat all the fruit? That one little question changed everything. Can you see how powerful a question is? She was perfectly fine. She lived in a world with no doubt. None. No doubt until that question was asked. Now she has doubt. Isn't that amazing? I would love it if I lived in a world without doubt. You know, you and I were plagued by doubt. Many people have even said the constant companion of destiny is doubt. You have doubt about what should I eat for breakfast? What should I wear? What should I say to this person? What should I do? Questions are powerful. But here's the thing about the question. Satan used it on Eve and it worked. Satan also used it on Jesus and it didn't work. If you really are the son of God, cast yourself down. It's a question. But Jesus didn't interact with that question. 
You see, questions are powerful. Eve doubted because it takes more power to build than to burn. And sometimes it's just easier where we're just like, I don't, I don't know if I really want to build on something. I don't know if I want to invest it. But here's the thing about David. David, he hears the question, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Notice, if you would, verse number four, how David answers the question. The Lord is in his temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids test the sons of men. David doesn't answer the question, does he? David ignores the question. Because David knew it's the wrong question. And this morning, if you get nothing from the message, you need to get this. Stop letting the devil ask you the wrong question. It's not what can the righteous do. It's what can't the righteous do. If God be for us, who can be against us? Do you see what happens with that question? It takes you down this line of thinking because the devil is trying to bait you and trap you into his corner so that he can destroy you. But the moment you see that the question is the wrong question, you don't play his games. Because Satan wants you to think that you're out of options. Satan wants you to think that you're trapped. He wants to think that this year, though it's the first week of the new year, that you're already done. And it's not what can the righteous do, it's what can't we do. You think we've never been in a bad situation? You think that Nero wasn't that bad to be a political leader under? As he took Christians, dipped them in wax, set them in his palace, and lit them on fire to light his gardens for his parties. Things are bad, but they're not that bad. You know, Christians, we kind of are getting in this little mode where like, it's never been this bad. It's so bad. It's so terrible. What are we going to do? And the martyrs of the past are like, you guys have never had it so good. What are you doing? Why are you just sitting back acting like the sky is falling? Are you kidding me? You still have a great opportunity to get the gospel to everybody in San Jose. Like, they didn't arrest you. My wife said a testimony last week. It was powerful. She was like, the things we were afraid of last year never happened. Most of our fears never come true, but yet Satan is trying to bait us into this line of thinking that says, oh, you're done for. Look at you guys. I've destroyed the foundations. Wait a minute. Who's our chief cornerstone according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 20? Christ, the rock upon which I stand is my cornerstone, and nobody can break that cornerstone. Nobody can crush it. There's no politician. There's no TV personality. There's no radio personality. There is no person on this earth that can stop our rock that that's what we built our foundation on. So it's not what can the righteous do. It's what can't the righteous do. So this year we reframe the question. We say, no, 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 I'm not playing that game because the devil is trying to bait the church into this line of thinking and it's incorrect thinking. We need to step back and say, Lord, what is the right thinking? What is the right question? Because the right question transforms. And when you and I step back and say, wait a minute, Satan, you're playing games. And then we need to go to Romans 8. There's a good question. If God be for us, who can be against us? We are more than conquerors. So the question isn't, what can the righteous do? What can't the righteous do? The question isn't, who is going to let me? But who is going to stop me? Who is going to stop you? This year, that's the big question. Who is going to stop you from living for God this year? I doubt your spouse is going to stop you from loving God, serving God, growing in God, trying to get in your Bible and prayer. I doubt your wife or your husband is going to be anti uh, against that. Oftentimes, it's going to be somebody else. But what we need to do is say, you know, God, I'm going to follow you.
I'm going to pursue you. Because I love what David did. And this is the third and final point. David never answers the question. So quit answering the wrong question. This year, just, just, there's certain questions. It's like, why? Even the Apostle Paul said there are some questions that just gender strife. He was saying, hey, sometimes these questions are just for argument's sake. Uh, if you have little kids, you know they will argue about anything and everything. And it doesn't matter how trivial it is. And Satan loves to get Christians just arguing about the most trivial things. We're supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ. We're supposed to be the family and the household of faith. But yet we can argue, we can split hairs, we can get upset, and we can get bothered by some of the smallest little things. Instead of understanding, wait a minute, I need to quit answering the wrong question. David doesn't answer the question. He just says, that's not a question worth answering. Now, don't try that in school. If you're in elementary school or middle school, and tomorrow you're like, that's a dumb question, teacher. My pastor said so. You know, don't do that. Don't, don't blame me for that. But understand that we need to have the wisdom to step back and say, that's not the right question. Satan's trying to bait me there. He's trying to trap me. I love, I was listening to an interview, a podcast recently, singer Alicia Keys, she was on there. And she said, I've stopped answering the question of when... Or if it'll happen, and I replace it to when it'll happen. She said, I don't answer if questions. I answer when questions. She said, I reframe the question because it puts hope back into the equation. And that's what we talked about last week, putting hope back into the equation. That's what we need this year. How are you going to put hope back into the question? You see, if the foundations be destroyed, that's a hopeless question, isn't it? It's like, you're right, just give up, just surrender. Why be a Christian? Why do this anymore? Why build the building? Let's, let's not do this. If the foundation would be destroyed, because, uh, and let's just say, and, and then the preachers go down that line of thought, well, they took prayer out of the school, and they took the Ten Commandments out of the school, and guess what? You're right. I wish those little things were back. Nobody's stopping your child from praying at lunch. Nobody's stopping you from following the Ten Commandments. Nobody's stopping you from living for God. You see, we do this a lot. We want others to do what we're unwilling to do. And that's the problem, and that is the greater pandemic in our Christianity. Is we want others to do right. Oh, others should be loving, forgiving, and merciful, and kind in the church. But I don't want to be. I want others to serve and sacrifice and work hard so there's coffee and there's greeters and there's somebody to take care of my children, but I don't want to do it. Oh, I want somebody else to help build the property and pay for the bill. I want somebody else to do it, but don't ask me to do that. That's the greater pandemic, and I know that's hard to hear at times, that we want others to do what we're unwilling to do. But we've got to get back to the point where we say, you know what, no, I'm, I'm willing to do what it takes. I'm willing to say, Lord, I want to be different. You see, David never answered the question. So take a page from David's playbook. Take a page from what Jesus does. They don't answer the question. You see, because these questions weren't leading to Christ. The question wasn't directing them back to Christ. This year, we want to build our life on Christ. That's what we want to build on. But none of those questions were directing them to the one person that was the source of hope. All the questions were hopeless questions because they weren't directing people back to Christ. We are a church that we are all about leading people to find and follow Jesus, hope. I'm all about Hey, we, we, we try to get right politics, but that's not our hope. I'm all about right policies and procedures, but that's not our hope. I'm all about uh, washing hands and staying whatever, but that's not my hope. 
My hope is in Jesus Christ. That's what the world needs, first and foremost. But yet, if we are constantly focused on the foundation are destroyed, the foundations are destroyed, nobody can destroy your foundation if it's built on Christ. My friend, the greatest persecution is happening in the world right now for Christians. What do you say to the Afghan Christians right now that literally have to take their children and auction them off to just get food? You and I, and I want all the religious rights that I can get, all of them. But for them, it's death. And this verse is just as real for them as it is for you and I. There are parts of this country, parts of this globe, where they can't have access to a Bible without their life being in jeopardy. And yet, this truth is just as real for them. They have to stand on something. God is just as good for them as he is for us. I know the temperature may not always be perfect, but we have to come back and say, Lord, I'm building my life on, on you. I'm not going to get upset and bothered by peripheral things. I'm going to build my life on Christ this year. So the biggest question is, are we leading people to Christ? I know we want to stump for things and we want to push agendas. But the greatest and the best thing and the most needful thing right now is that we unite around Christ. I probably will disagree with most of you about politics. I probably will get make you mad the way I interpret scripture because I interpret it very literally. And there's things that would just bother you and upset you. So we have to say we unite at the cross, at the foot of Jesus. This is what brings Christians together. You can vote how you want to. You can say, I'm going to follow this how you want to. But we have to come together and say, I'm not going to divide over something that is unnecessary. I unite at Christ. And right now we come back and say, the, the questions that are happening in culture right now are not pushing people to Christ. The divide that you see is not pushing people to Christ. You may be for some of these agendas and some of these uh, uh, agencies that are popping up these acronyms that are out there. But if they are not leading people to Christ, don't ask me to be a part of it. If it's not helping people know Christ, I'm not interested. Because I know first and foremost that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And the job of this body, this church, Southridge Church, is to make sure that we depopulate hell and we populate heaven. That the Bay Area become the hardest place to go to hell from. That's our job. Not to march, not to picket, not to push something else. Our job is to make sure that everybody we meet, that means the clerk at the grocery store. It means the barber. It means the nail salon. It means the Starbucks coffee barista. It means the co-worker. It means the neighbor. It means the person we don't even like all that much that we say that person needs Jesus and I'm the only Jesus they're going to see. So guess what? I need a question that points him to Jesus. So, hey, here's my question. Do you know Jesus loves you? That's a better question. Do you know Jesus died for you? That's a better question. Do you know that there is a hope after this life? That is a better question because Satan's got questions for all of us and they're the wrong question because it's just like David had a couple friends. Hey, the foundation is destroyed. What are you going to do, David? And David just went on. And David said, that's okay. I'll rebuild it. I'll build it. We're going to build something here, church. We're going to build something new this year. And we're going to build it on something solid. 
Because we're building it on Christ. You see, when the church hits rock bottom, that just means we found a foundation that we can actually build on. Let me say it again. When the church hits rock bottom, that just means we found a foundation that we can build on. Maybe you feel like you've hit rock bottom. That's a great place to start building your life right there. Because you found something finally that'll hold you. You found something that there, you're like, well, that's as far as we can go. I burned through everything else and I'm landing on something. And that's what God wants us to build on. That firm foundation. It's a rare individual who can build a strong foundation with the rocks that others threw at them. Maybe you're criticized. Maybe people don't understand you. But this year we say, you know what? I don't have to answer that question because it's not the right question. I want to point people to Jesus. I want people to have real hope this year that can have something that'll change their life. So let me end by a question. Do you know Jesus as your personal savior? That is the greatest, most life-changing question is do you know Jesus? Can we stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Father, Satan is so good at taking a question, a seemingly innocent question, and creating a distorted and alternate reality that we think is something real, that we think is something that we want, but is actually a distortion of your purity and your truth. And so God, this morning we humble ourselves and we say that maybe we've been falling for that trick, thinking we have to answer the question. But give us the wisdom to understand that not every question needs or deserves an answer, especially if it doesn't lead us to you. And the question in this passage weren't leading anybody to Jesus. But David comes back and he just talks about Jesus. Help us, Father. Help us be a church that says, we're going to build this year. We're going to build our lives, our homes, our marriages, our families, our businesses. But we're going to build on something strong. We're going to build on a solid foundation. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to pray for our church family. You say this morning, Pastor, I'm going to build on something strong. Help me. Pray for me. Is that you? Can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hand? Say, I want to build on a strong foundation. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for lifting your hands. You would put your hands down. One other question. Maybe you're here. Maybe you've been coming for a long time, but you say, I don't know Jesus is my Savior. I don't know that he died on the cross for my sins, paying the ultimate price so that I don't have to spend eternity in hell. And I want to receive that forgiveness of sins. I want to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I want to receive him today. Is that you? You slip up your hand. I can pray for you. Anybody like that? We don't want you to come on a Sunday and not know Jesus. Amen. God bless you. I see that hand in the middle. Anybody else? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, you see the hand of this one that raises, said, I want to accept Christ as their Savior. Father, hear their heart's prayer. Father, may they receive your forgiveness. May they repent of their sins, turn from it, and follow you with all their days. Father, would you bless them and help them? We thank you. We praise you in this place. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. And a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. 
If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.